women's suffrage movement shines a light on the known and the unknown women behind getting us the right to vote. The book covers the issues of the movement and focuses in on intersectionality. It's the result of 40 years of research by Sally Rosh Wagner, who is joining me on the line today. Sally, thank you so much and welcome to Vocalo. Thank you, Jill. Uh, I said it before and I'll say it all month long. Happy Women's History Month. But you've been living a women's history life. <laughs> what <laughs> what led to uh, an undertaking uh, such as this, this project? And uh, what led to you wanting to study this as your life's work? I think that um, I grew up with the great men, great dates, great great wars uh, form of history, and I had no relationship to it. And it was finding that there was a whole history of women that had been hidden from me that really made me a, a passionate, <laughs> I guess, searcher into this information. Doing an anthology is really fun, and it was a way of connecting people to the past in a direct way. Instead of me being there telling you what these people said. You get their voices. You get their writings. Uh, and figure out for yourself what's going on. I like that you kind of said that it was uh, these these women were hidden. Uh, most of us who, you know, kind of went through public education in the United States mm-hmm. kind of really got only the highlight reel of, of women's suffrage and, and women's history in general. Why is it important for us to know about figures beyond your Susan B. Anthony's, beyond uh, your, 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 you know, the top three names that most people know about the movement? Uh, I think that that sort of history is disempowering. It says, well, we need to wait around for the leaders to come along and make the change. That's not how it happened. Mm -hmm. This was a movement, and they were just part of the movement. And would it have happened without them? There might have been other leaders that stepped forward and and done the work that they did. But it's it's movements are what drives history forward. Lincoln didn't free the slaves. It was the abolitionists that pushed him to finally take that position. And that sort of history lets us know that we have a responsibility. These women were fighting for the issues we're still fighting for today. We learned the safe history, the vote done. Mm -hmm. Okay, nothing more to do. We don't learn that they were fighting for equal pay for equal work in the 1850s, that they were fighting for a woman's right to control her own body, that they were... Matilda Jocelyn Gage exposed sex trafficking in 1893, and she wrote about the sexual abuse of women and children by the priesthood. You know, they raised the issues. Our not knowing that, don't we don't know then that we're part of a continuum to bring history forward. And uh, the, the fact that we are still in 2019 fighting these same fights uh, is, is so frustrating. But this fight it isn't just a 19th century fight. It wasn't just a 20th century fight. Let's go back and talk about the indigenous women a thousand years ago who had a role in essentially starting this movement. That's one of my favorite parts of the book. 
this was I, I think this is one of the one of the biggest untold important stories of women's history that women a thousand years ago had political voice on this land when we're celebrating a hundred. The women of the Haudenosaunee Iroquois Confederacy, the Six Nations, influenced and inspired the founding mothers of the movement as the Haudenosaunee had inspired the founding fathers when they saw democracy in action while our foremothers saw women's rights in action. The clan mothers, this isn't just past tense, the clan mothers for a thousand years and continuing today have the responsibility for nominating the chiefs, holding them in office, removing them in if necessary, and one of the qualifications is that this man cannot have sexually abused a woman. Mm. And, uh, gee, if only we had such high standards <laughs> today. Uh, I, it, is, it is so eye-opening uh, that, you know, these governments of, of other communities, of, of other cultures, seem to have gotten it really right really early on, and American democracy did not they picked and chose what they would use, but yes. some of these some of these things we could really use right now. Yeah. Haudenosaunee women say, you know, the, the founding fathers learned democracy from our men. They saw it in action, but they missed the women. And as they call today for rematriation, that we really need to move the spiritual and the political and the social authority of women forward. We're facing the possibility of the end of life on this planet. And we in the West don't have a good track record on this. They do. And I think listening to these voices that have the key to survival of life on the planet because they practice it, they have a different value system, a connection to the earth, a sense of the continuity and the relationship between all life. Um, that's the key to saving life on the planet. So beyond women's rights, I think they carry a vision today that can take us forward into the next step. You know, from the founding fathers and democracy to the women's rights, now to the survival of the environment. You're listening to Vocalo. Joining me on the line, Sally Rosh Wagner, author of the Women's Suffrage Movement, it takes an intersectional look at women's rights. I uh, I am sitting in a recording studio in uh, downtown Chicago, uh, just a couple of miles away from the newly named Ida B. Wells Parkway. Oh yes. It is. It's not the most attractive stretch of road, but it's ours. <laughs> yeah. uh, some of the 19th century movement was at the expense of women of color. How did that racism manifest itself in in what should have been a fight for equality? And what was Ida B. Wells' role in the whole thing? Ida B. Wells was an extraordinary woman. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, one that we should be venerating. I'm so happy you've done it in Chicago in that form. The racism of the movement really becomes intense in in 19 or 1890. And it's with the, um, the two 
women's rights organizations form, they merge, and they take on a states' rights position, and they allow the southern states to do whatever they want. They can segregate, and some do. They can fight for women's, white women's vote only, and some of them do. And they can fight for Jim Crow laws, and some of them work for that. They make the argument, give women the right to vote, because white women outnumber Negroes and immigrants. Immigrants and women's suffrage is a way to maintain white, native-born supremacy. Ida B. Wells and other women, African-American women, formed their own organizations. And without their work and the work of the African-American male allies, women would not have gotten the vote. I uh, am excited to uh, help people learn about all these, these women, especially in a city like Chicago, where our spirit of, of protest has never dwindled, uh, but also uh, there is a there's a strong voice in the city that, despite all evidence to the contrary, insists that protest, that direct action, doesn't work. Uh, what do you say to those folks uh, with that premise? What can the activists of the past tell the, the activists of the present, and what can they tell the detractors to the activists of the present? The truth, the the proof is in the pudding, right? Yeah. You change the world by taking direct action. You know, the power concedes nothing without a demand. Those are the words of Frederick Douglass. Absolutely correct. Here's a, just a couple of things the women did. They refused to pay their taxes. They said, no taxation without representation. They launched a tax protest campaign on the anniversary of the centennial of the Boston Tea Party. They protested at the unveiling of the Statue of Liberty, saying, this is the greatest hypocrisy of the 19th century, that woman is represented, or liberty is represented as a woman in a country in which not a woman has political liberty. the centennial, they illegally presented a declaration of rights of women, knowing that they would probably be arrested. And they said, we did this not for the women of our time, but for the daughters of 1976, so they would know that their mothers of 1876 had impeached the government for its treatment of women. It is so amazing to to get to dive into this rich history and uh, really supplement the, the education that we all got as kids. Dr. Wagner, thank you so much for joining me on the line. I want to get the info to the people. They can go to Sally Rosh Wagner, that's R-O-E-S-C-H uh, dot com, or S. Wagner 711. Thank you so much for all of your hard work and for, for leaving this legacy for people to learn from. Oh, thank you, Jill. Appreciate talking to you.